I believe with every fibre of my being that the course I have set out is the right one for our country and all our people. What has been achieved today is not Brexit. I don't believe this government has negotiated fairly or effectively. Brexit is a lose-lose situation. We have always followed the EU mandate. It is utterly unacceptable to anybody who believes in democracy. Hello and welcome to Brexit The Final Countdown. We have 169 days to go until the 31st of October. We have eight days until the EU elections. We have 19 days until June 3rd, which is a very exciting week. We have 301 days into the longest parliamentary session since the English Civil War. And doesn't it just feel like it? Doesn't it feel like it? Uh, We're only 21 seconds into this podcast. uh, And we're four ovens away from being totally over Tory leaders and their wives, aren't we? Indeed, yes. Guys, we've got lots to talk about. As ever this week, I'm joined by the wonderful Thomas Hunt, video news editor for theexpress.co.uk. Hello. hello. And a welcome return to our podcast from Paul Baldwin, uh, head of news. Hello. And hello to all the viewers. So excited to be live. Uh, I'm, of course, Rebecca Hudson. Let's do this. News klaxon. Last night there was an announcement. Uh, Downing Street are bringing forward the very long-awaited uh, withdrawal agreement bill, known commonly as the WAB, uh, which will basically put Theresa May's withdrawal agreement into law. This is incredibly exciting. This is it. This is the mo- this is the pivotal week in, Bre- week in Brexit that we've been talking about for so long. Am I right, chaps? Let me just give you an illusion, which I was thinking about on the train this morning that. Uh, the Catholics used to have a method of contraception. Oh, God. Called, no, <laughs> I'm a Catholic, right? The Catholics used to have a method of contraception called the rhythm method. And it was basically a withdrawal agreement. And the, the, thing, the thing with that was that didn't work either. Because, bottom line, neither party really wanted it. <laughs> so it didn't work. And, and this is exactly the same position we find ourselves in with the actual withdrawal agreement. That it's a fudge, it's a compromise, it's clumsy, it's it, and it pleases basically nobody at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like lots of relationships with Catholics. <laughs> um, okay. Not going to pass, I'm no, guessing. Not a cat in hell's chance. Do you not think there might be some Labour leavers who are under so much pressure from their constituencies that they've just got to back this? And even though there might not be a cross-party deal, they might, do you think they've just, they've, they they want to keep their jobs? They're about to get slaughtered in the EU elections eight days away. Is there any chance that a Caroline Flint and a insert other... There, left- there aren't enough of them. Oh, really? There are... The numbers do not... I mean, I was saying to Paul slightly earlier that the only thing I think she has planned is to try and hide this in news of the week. So... What, the big week? Trump is here? There's the Trump visit, the Peterborough by-election on the Thursday, and she's going to try and shoehorn her deal back in in that time frame. Right. Love Island might have started by then, actually, might have That could swing it, actually. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll all be preoccupied, thank heaven. But it it makes makes absolutely... the Stephen Bark Stephen Barclay last night, yeah. Brexit Secretary, was on to say a, a nice impassioned speech. Barclay's speech, it was just it was exactly what um, we all hate about politics right now, mm. which was he he just stood there and he'd been briefed to say this thing, which was Brexit we're all about delivering certainty, blah blah blah. Whatever the question was, it was irrelevant. He was going to say that. And and you just stood there and thought, what is certain? If the withdrawal agreement got through, for example, what would be certain? Where is the certainty for business or anyone else in the EU 
basically running our lives without us having a say in any any of it for at least two years, maybe more, maybe maybe endless. Who knows? What are the DUP saying? Are they saying no thanks, thanks, They're, but no thanks? D- Nigel Dodd said that if the if nothing has changed regarding the backstop, which. Barclay made last night completely clear that they're going to go ahead with the vote even if nothing has changed from the previous three occasions they brought it forward then Nigel Dodd said no thank you we will not be backing this because the backstop and the issue uh, with Ireland stands and it it does just Barclay yesterday repeating the same thing we've heard for the last two years yeah is just We've said this before, but positions are entrenched and the chances of anyone changing them right at the last minute are not only slim to nil, but it would almost be, well, if you'd have had this position three years ago, we might have had a chance. But right now, it's just adding insult to injury. I was reading this morning that um, Yvette Cooper's constituency, which is Pontefract, was, which is a, um, a traditional Labour constituency, 76% of, of her constituents voted Brexit, and she is not uh, carrying out their wishes. That's not what politicians are there for. And, and if she isn't going to change, even though her position at the next election must be really, really um, under pressure, if she really is, is going against 76% of her voters, then who's, who's really going to change their position on Brexit at this late stage of the game? Nobody. To, to play devil's advocate, the only possible... I, I, I mean, you can't possibly... With the EU elections, she could possibly have done so badly that she thinks Tories will panic and back her because they think they're all going to be out of a job at the next general election. Right. But I, I, that I, how they would have come to that point, I have no idea. And maybe it is just that she realises this is her last throw of the dice. It's the One only thing shot. she's got left. She can't call a general election. She can't admit to having a second referendum so myself and Tom have slight mixed feelings about the EU elections as well in that uh, I think Tom sees it as a sort of tacit second referendum yeah um, and that everyone will go out and rush out and vote and vote against um, the two leading parties who've left us in this position in the in the first place I take the other view that if why why would you bother of all the uh, elections in history this one is so utterly meaningless and insulting that why why would you even bother turning up? At, and, I, and I speak as a man who has never, ever, ever missed a chance to vote because um, I think it's a massively important thing. I even said a couple of weeks ago, I think it should be the law that we all have to vote. But um, I just don't care about this one. Why would I? It's, just, it's an insult to me. Well, there seems a lot of momentum around some of it, doesn't it? I mean, we'll talk about, we always talk about Farage on this podcast and we will get to that. But I mean, he's just, you know, there is there is a lot of excitement around these EU elections. I mean, Change UK has kind of fallen to pieces, sadly, hasn't it? And they're now not even talking to the people's vote people, which does sound and balmy. As we were coming in to the podcast, mm. and an update came that a Change UK uh someone is thinking of is going to move to Lib Dem. So they're already losing yeah. people that they have nominated. They've, as, they've, they've only been so, around for a week. There's, there's only one game in town and we all know who it is. Mm. It's not even what it is, it's who it is. Yeah. It's Farage. It's not even his party, it's not even the people behind him, it's just him. Well, it's it, cult of personality in that respect, but also a guy who is seen to shoot from the hip, speak from the heart, do things that poli- professional yeah. politicians 
are not doing. There are some lovely little tidbits about Farage knocking around this morning. Did you know that he's getting up at 5am to have a walk before each day of campaigning? That does not sound he's like also the Farage that we all know. Yeah, he's still enjoying a bottle of Rioja after yeah. every rally though, but it's kind of not kind of... I don't know. He's kicked the beer. Kicked the beer. And did we know that Elizabeth Hurley once told him that she has dreams about him? <laughs> I mean, these are... These are I, I yeah, think this is a lovely more about Elizabeth Hurley than, uh, than Nigel. I, I mean, incredible. I mean, his power truly knows no bounds, does it, if Elizabeth Hurley is dreaming about you. <laughs> Ollie Robbins... Has, is obviously still over in Brussels. He was there yesterday, he's there today. Could he not be trying to, are we not trying to maybe insert uh, a sort of some wording around a customs union? Is that what he could be doing? He's also everyone's favourite asylum seeker, right? Did you see him on the behind Brexit behind closed doors asking for a passport? I know you've watched it because we told you to watch it yesterday. <laughs> Did you watch it? Oh no. Do you have iPlayer on your phone? Oh, you didn't watch it. That's greatly disappointing. Uh, my daughter needed help with her GCSE uh, revision last night, to be fair. So. What on earth did you help her with? Revisionism, maybe. Uh, a different thing. So he's there. So what's it, or is, it, is it all just part of the, 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 the play where we go to Brussels and we pretend we're demanding stuff and whatever? Like, what is he doing? He, he has gone to appease people who think nothing is happening or know that nothing is happening with the cross-party talks. And it's a little show to say, oh, look. But Brussels didn't even know he was coming. He turned up. And, and they didn't they, know. They, <laughs> Surprise. Tom's absolutely spot on. He's he's just in a holding pattern. He's just there to be seen that we've got a guy there, but he's doing nothing. And and uh, I made me laugh the last night the talks, uh, the cross party talks last night. We defined uh, described as useful and constructive. Now, I think that absolutely redefines what the phrase useful and constructive means. It's like to me, what is useful? A useful and constructive talk would be me and Tom in the pub, and me saying to Tom, Tom, what do you fancy? And Tom's saying, I'll have a pint of Peroni, please. And I go and get two pints of Peroni, sit down at the table. That's a useful and constructive talk. Right? Imagine, right, I'm out with Jeremy Corbyn, say, and I say, Jezza, what do you fancy? And he says, do you know what, Paul? Between you and me, I'd quite like a London Pride, but my friends might think that was a bit anti-European. So maybe, maybe if I get half a London Pride and half a Peroni in the same glass, what about that? And at this point, I'm saying, Jezza, you're a lunatic. I'm never going out with you again. Was it English literature that you were helping with last English night? Yeah. <laughs> that is the GCSE of the day. Yeah. I was just, the only thing to, to bring it back to the documentary yesterday, that, that it is all on Giva Hofstadt, who is what a, a candidate to, to replace Juncker yeah. at the moment. And it has very much been an interesting insight into, A, the amount of alcohol consumed it's incredible. After, his, after his capacity for drinking wine rivals yours, Paul. Well, the, sure. the <laughs> terrible That's jokes. That's to be admired. Yeah. <laughs> the terrible jokes that they make across the board. Yes. And and the fact that they they have laughed nonstop at people like Ollie Robbins and Dominic Rabb and now um, Stephen Barclay. Because they, they, they even say what you are claiming goes against Theresa May. So... Are you sure this is what you want to say? And then they backtrack and come in. We actually approached uh, Dominic Rabb yesterday because he was not shown in a very favourable light. I mean, and who an extract was? from Barnier. And Dominic Rabb came back. because it, So it, it went that Barnier was negotiating with Rabb and Rabb said, give us this or, or else. And apparently Barnier said, Theresa May would never dare speak to me like that. 
And uh, if you go down this line, we're just going to turn around and say, no, thank you, and you're gone. And apparently, he, Rab turns around and says, oh, okay, okay, I'm sorry, let's, let's continue these talks. We took this to Rab yesterday, and he came back and said he ne- at no point did he flinch in the face of EU negotiations. And, he's, and a friend of Dominic Rab's came to us and said that he has always stood up for what he feels is right for Britain. And uh, it was pretty much a pre-leadership election. I mean, everything is a pre-leadership uh, election uh, preamble, at, but, at the moment. And, that, and I think if we, whatever history is written in 20, 30 years' time, I, people will be laughing non-stop about these deep negotiations that we have all tried to have the peek behind the curtain for the last two yeah, years, yeah, three absolutely. years. And actually... It's been a com- it, largely a complete and utter farce. Yeah. I, I think that's absolutely true. And I, I was thinking as well today that the the fact that whatever is going on right now, we, we, we're getting snippets, little tiny you know nuggets from bits of corners of Whitehall and stuff like that. And it, what where we are and what we're doing should be absolutely out there all the time. And we just don't know what's been going on in the talks, don't really know. What's been going on in Brussels, we don't really know. And we should know. But I think there's a kind of omerta, deliberate omerta going on at the moment, that if we don't talk about this, it worked a little, well, it definitely started just before the local elections. Let's not talk about it and it might go away. And it's just shockingly bad politics and shockingly and, bad and, democracy. And to bring us right back round to the withdrawal agreement, Bill, that is, I think, honestly, let's not talk about it. Let's put it back to the MPs and let's hope that Trump and everything else covers it up. And, yeah. and Or that she might be looking at it all have been told by whips that so-and-so has an engagement with the US embassy at this. And they might be trying to sort of whittle down the Brexiteers in the Tory party mm. and them not actually be present for the vote. So she, Spectacular. She, but that is, that is honestly it. There is no yeah. secret, there's no great plan that she's about to I think it's worth looking hat. at the withdrawal bill as well, broadly, what it is. It's a huge document. It's 600, 599 pages long. And it basically says right there in black and white that for 21 months at least, best part of two years and probably a great deal longer, we will be at the behest of the EU. It'll be the polar opposite of what people voted for. And and it could go on indefinitely. So we will have no power in the EU, but we will be to do their, their, you know, their bidding. And, and to be honest, why would anyone at that point in the EU help the nation who... Um, wants to get out, is desperate to get out. And, and also, this is another thing, right? After the back end of next week, we'll have 71 brand new MEPs in an election nobody wants and we never expected to be in. Now, those 71 EPs will almost certainly be 71 EPs who will make it their job to stymie anything going through the European Parliament and to upset and cause as much trouble as possible for the European Parliament. It will be a whole new ball game for the EU, and also that's only the that's only the British MEPs, and that's a tenth of the of the Parliament. But there's also the, the similar um, people, um, populists as we call them, in, in Italy, in France, and across Europe, who will be deliberately trying to upset the EU and, and stop it from doing its work. It's going to be a whole new thing, that a whole new ball game, and I don't know how it's going to play out. But it will not um, make the EU feel warm towards us. No, I, I, sure. yeah, the temperature's cooled, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're thinking she's not going to get it through. The cross-party talks are a waste of time, and all this sort of scurrying off to Brussels is just more of the, the grand show at the expense of the British taxpayers. So 
it's like we need a, a Brexit timeline or something. <laughs> what, Thomas, maybe, and Paul, what what happens? What actually will happen then? Come on. The, I, I can show Tom, you. Tom's done the Brexit timeline. <laughs> yeah, and I it can looks see. like a plate of spaghetti's just <laughs> fallen well, onto I can, his, I can, I can onto show those paper. watching on, on YouTube the, uh, <laughs> the, the mad grief. working. This is, this is the high uh, uh, and, tech and levels the, and, we work on. And for the thousands of people listening, Thomas, maybe you <laughs> can describe what you <laughs> So I've, I've pretty much tried to scribble down what options or what the next nine months to a year could look like. Um, we know that from the 3rd to the 7th of June that she's bringing the meaningful vote back. If that passes, I think the UK leaves the EU with a deal. Highly unlikely. And pigs flying Not going to happen. So if it fails, I think we are then to the point where Theresa May clings on and tries to continue cross-party talks. Or Theresa May is removed by the Tory party, who could do it via changing the rules in the 1922 committee. There's a meeting tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is probably most likely, or she could resign. Um, I think if she's gone this far, Mr. Mr. May wants her to resign, doesn't he? He's he just like, resign. come on, let's yeah, yeah. just go and hold. It, yeah. yeah, it's spend all my money. What's he a, a, hedge, a bank? What is he a hedge funder? Funder well, funder? He's technically, I think, retired uh, now. No, he's, he's not. Been, he's been full time, full time. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, full time first Agony husband. <laughs> Agony Hahn. I hope he massages her feet. But he, but they, he, they're loaded, aren't they? It's just go on a nice hole or something. Well. I mean, I don't, go back to buying Burberry trousers. Yes, She's not been able to wear yeah. those. Skipping for a while. through uh, wheat fields. <laughs> the, <laughs> Darling. Um, the spin off, if, if she stays, unlikely, and the continued cross party talks, is then she will probably have to make a promise of a second referendum or a customs union pledge to win over Labour. Mm-hmm. But then she fully knows that if that deal then went through, it would just be seen as a Labour Brexit. Right. And she would then, and Tories would most likely lose whatever next general election. Mm-hmm. If, she, all following this, <laughs> if she remains, <laughs> if she goes, we then have the Tory leadership contest. Yes. So, so let's talk about let's talk about that and the runners and riders. We, where are we? We have so they tend to the last one took ten days, but that was because Andrea Ledson pulled out after the awkward interview with the Times about yeah, being a mum. Being a mum. That was yeah, bad, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And how that yeah. Um, Played. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but normally, having looked at the past three or four, they tend to average about nine weeks. Okay. So this isn't a quick <laughs> a quick fix that we turn around and Brexit is sorted. So we have probably, I was looking through the numbers earlier, I think we have the largest set of potential candidates Everyone. ever in a Tory leadership. How period. many ovens do you have, just quickly, actually? To do you know what? I felt a bit embarrassed because I've only got two. Oh, only two. <laughs> oh, so I don't think you qualify actually as uh, leadership no, material. Not, Do no. you have an island? I was ashamed. Uh, in I, the kitchen. <laughs> I'm about to have an island. Oh, I'm moving gosh. Out. Oh, okay. Well, so okay, this is like when Boris stopped eating chorizo to lose weight. You're kind of doing the stuff to. Um, okay, fine. Do you have yeah. Emma Bridgewater mugs. That's the... uh, no, we don't. We. we... <laughs> And they'll always need like something vaguely have, um, patriotic, like a tea we, cosy with the they, Union Jack on or something, don't you? Or a keep calm and carry on. Po- like yeah, you need something that yeah, nods yeah. to the wall. Um, okay, the, we can work on your kitchen. Me? So everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Oh, my God. Okay, so yeah, we have everyone. Everyone with a kitchen or not uh, is is up for this. You can have stables. Uh, you, Who was the one with the, the stables? Uh, the one you like, Rory? Rory Stewart. Rory Stewart. Yes. Um, who's probably the most Tory-esque candidate of the lot i think he his background is very much but he's one who's actually we'd like to highlight previous businessman or whatever yeah he's actually 
had quite an interesting background in that he walked through the Middle East. Oh, he's the a, walker, a, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But uh, like Eaton, no? And like yes, came Oxford, yeah, yes, no? Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Um, he does like I shepherd's whoever, pie, though. Whoever they end up voting for will basically be Ian Duncan Smith too holding pattern, a non-entity in the grand scheme of the history. That's of the not a very way to, nice way to describe uh, Liz Trust. Did you not see how, how, how well-styled she it, was it, in the mail over the weekend? There will be, no, there will, there will be a non-entity and there will, there will be, ultimately, probably no power if it, it continues the way it's going. So there will be a person in opposition for a bit. But doesn't, yeah. doesn't it depend how they get in? I was trying to think earlier about if, if it comes to it, there are going to be Old Cameron Osborne Tories backing a Remain candidate. And who are our Remain? Who are our kind of sovereigns? Amber Rudd. Come on, Amber. Well, I want to see her kitchen. So it, just producer Packwood. <laughs> Don't we? She's the, the only lady whose kitchen we haven't seen. The if if it if the full list comes out, and I think we could very in the way that Jeremy Hunt is now a Brexiteer, having voted Remain, I think we would see a couple of current cabinet members quickly switching back to old Remain allegiances. So, who, so we've got Rudd, maybe Jeremy Hunt. Potentially Matt Hancock. Oh yeah, we saw him at the weekend. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, he was like da- second husband date back in, you know, like recently divorced back in the dating game. Kind of. It was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was like a similar. t-shirt and a jacket and like weird Similar jeans. to your holiday attire. Yeah. No, but it was no ACDC. It wasn't that rock. There was no ACDC. It was just like, yeah, we'll go to a wine bar and I won't cry about my wife kind of thing. Uh, that's a vibe I got from him, but I'm very specific. <laughs> but he, so there's, there's that side and then potentially, and if they were clever, which they haven't been at any point in this process, so I'm not sure Who? why I'm... Yeah. The uh, Remainers. The Remain candidate. Yeah. They would put their support behind... Because each candidate has to have the backing of other MPs mm. in order to put themselves forward. So at the moment, we have all the interesting Brexiteers trying to divvy up and behind closed doors saying, oh, you, you'll support me, won't you? You're going to ignore Boris. He's, he's a no-hoper. But on the Remain side, it, is, it would be interesting to see if they actually get their act together and try to push one put their support behind one candidate. Who do you think is the most Tory faithful friendly remainer? That's the question. It's really difficult. Theresa mm. yeah, May probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh good grief. Oh good grief. Uh, no, hard. But the the Brexit side is crowded to say the least. Yeah. And it's noisy. It I cannot see I mean the odds show as well that the confusion around the runners I mean Rab Boris Johnson, Gove, and Gove could be the one to turn. You're obsessed with Michael Gove. He, Do you know that? He is. <laughs> Every opportunity in this podcast, you have to sort of. Maybe you've got a I, pact I, going with him. I think <laughs> the, the problem is with all of them is that they absolutely play into the thing that the public hates, which they are. They'll flip their politics to suit whatever sort of time of day it is. There's no um, real. Uh, principled politicians there, and as we saw from um, up the up in Pontefract when Farage was sat down, uh, you know, uh, Lord of all, he surveyed. That what was interesting that was coming out of there was, uh, we love you, Nigel, because we know where you stand on things, and you kind of do get that feeling with Farage that love him or hate him, you kind of know where he stands on things, and that's not always the case anymore and it certainly isn't the case with most Tories you just think what are they thinking today mm. whatever suits the public mood whatever suits the purpose whatever suits that you know there's no um Dennis Skinner's name we shout and another politician you love him or hate him you know where he stands on things and and that's maybe it's time for a flip back to that it seems to be what 
the people want. Are you calling for more Dennis Skinners? You're harnessing the power uh, of this podcast. They, I don't know. A, a rallying do a, cry. a lot worse than the more Dennis Skinners. Because you know where you stand with them. You yeah. absolutely do. Ken Clark, right? Big old Tory beast. Massively pro-Europe, which annoys a lot of Tories. But you know where you stand yeah. with him. He's never hidden that. What's he been doing? He's been, well, what's he been doing this week? Drinking whiskey out of a... Absolutely. Tra- he I mean, been, he's yeah, been living his best he, life, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, that is a, that's a, a gag long in the... He, he had do the gag? Well, he... <laughs> So he had he twenty five years ago yeah. has chance a chancellor of the exchequer turned around and said oh I don't want anyone opening this whiskey that I've just banged the cork in yeah. until a Tory is uh, has been elected in the, the Scottish constituency mm-hmm. and lo and behold we now have a Tory in the constituency so they went and did a nice oh, photo shoot of them uh, having a dram of of whiskey I'm glad everyone's hard at work but during this time <laughs> of national crisis but that is jeez Louise and it highlights there isn't anything going on um, okay so back to your timeline so we would then so we so say we get a new leader they may have four ovens they might not have any they might have a more of a humble microwave set up like Nigel Farage who's been tweeting about it today um, okay and then what do we do are we having a gen- what do we do they're in do we have a general election do we have a second referendum what happens <laughs> they so the way it works is the Tories go to vote they then come down to two candidates, which are more than likely to be a Brexiteer and a Remain candidate. Rob v. Rudd, yes. just for the vowels. Works well on the, yeah. on the notice boards. Yeah. The, and if the Brexiteer gets in, they have, I, I reckon, three options. They put a no-deal um, deal to Parliament. Yeah. So they can either vote and say, we're going to yeah. leave, and that either passes or fails. If it passes... No deal. It's more than likely to fail because Parliament is very rigged yeah, against yeah, yeah. no deal. And then the options are second referendum or general election. And so it's like do the, so if you're a new Tory, pick. just moved into number 10, ordered your new oven. I'm going to keep going with the oven guy because I think it's great. Okay. Uh, you've ordered a new oven. Do you risk it all and have a general election and potentially lose your majority? Again, I mean, a wise woman <laughs> once went on a walking holiday and thought, great idea to, to solidify my majority and then kind of ruined it all, didn't she? So I, I, what do you do? The problem with all of this, and the problem with kind of everyone seems to be the elephant in the room is that we've got till Halloween to sort this mess out mm. and all of that does not play into that timeline to rescue this and again you know uh, uh, Mrs Merkel was saying oh we'll give them a bit more time if they want it she's on her way out don't care Macron doesn't want he, he's playing much tougher game saying it's the, oh, it's the 31st of October and you're out on your ear that's it and I think uh, next week when they find out they've got so many anti-EU MEPs from this country in their parliament they're going to want us out they're not going to give us any more leeway well, the, well, the, well it will be leave or revoke then, it, won't it will it? be yeah. it won't be it no be more no time deal or revoke I mean we talk about revoking I mean are we not running? Is the kind of the mandate and the legitimacy of that referendum not slightly running out? Because I had to throw some almond milk away the other day that I bought after the referendum that is out of date. So it's not the result of the referendum slightly out of date now. Yeah, you know, we're getting it will be nearly four years since we voted. Like, do you not think we need a refresher to just check where we're all at? I think if you, Paul hinted at it earlier, the the recent rally up in Pontefract at the Featherstone uh, Social Club. Mm. The the one noise that they were making was a we should never we shouldn't have touch a second referendum until the first one has been enacted mm. at least, and that why the democratic vote of the people was we should leave so let's get on with it. But we have leave. been trying to leave for us. I don't think not through one not through lack but, of trying. We have been trying to leave. There is an interesting leave. point that um, we've already had a second referendum. 
When was that? The, the last one we had, because oh. we had another one. In, oh. The first one was in 1974. <laughs> so the principle of having two, refer, two referendums, or two refer, referenda, is, is established. It's just the time frame in the middle mm. that is, is the difference. Now, if you have a referendum two weeks after the one you didn't like, then I think we can all agree that that is, you know, um, unacceptable. But we do have... But this uh, is a significant passage of time that would have passed, have, we yeah. We have a general election every four years. We think that's a significant amount of time and enough time for the landscape to have changed, for people's opinions to have changed. So the longer it goes on, it, the, the, the case for a second referendum actually does, does get stronger. It beca- yeah, it becomes more compelling. It's less about thwarting yeah. democracy. It's more about just checking in, guys. Yeah. But the a Remain candidate is in, and they have the three options. They go back to a second referendum... You then are left with what are the questions, which could take another six months to come to a, like, are you going to have the Lib Dem, Vince Cable option of three questions, which doesn't make any sense because you can't really reach a decision one way or the other. If someone turns around and gets 38%, are we then, is that then the democratic will of the people? And Brexiteers would turn around and say, hang on, uh, we first, voted. We- first, we'd have to agree on the wording of the, of which, the referendum, which, and that will probably take another four years. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's it's given not the, as simple as let's last, have a second referendum. Yeah, it yeah. is what is the wording which they will not be able to agree on, no, mm. and what if any if if they are behind it, what impact has Farage and the Brexit Party had? Because they could theoretically be campaigning in the EU for a no deal. What we need is a referendum on the wording of the words for the referendum, really. It, it's a slippery that slope. Be the, that will be the democratic <laughs> way forward, I think. Um, oh, gosh. What a confusing timeline. We would one of those GCC rulers. What will have happened this time next week? Uh, we'll be... Uh, Champing at the bit to get to those polling booths. Yeah, we we will. We'll be a day, but a day away. We will be, but a day away. Um, me, I don't know. I might just go for giggles, but what? It's just not <laughs> a proper election, is it? There's nothing. We've got how many weeks by the time they sit? And there's there's, a, there's more. It's not just it's not just hilariously weird. This. There's, this election is costing somewhere between a hundred million and a hundred and twenty million pounds of our money now quick calculation that runs to about 200 or 250 nurses or police officers or soldiers for life it's not that's not just a a, you know a a newspaper quick calculation it is that is how much you will pay 200 to 250 nurses to work for the nhs for life and that would be a much much Better use of public money than this ridiculous farce of an election. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can't put a price on democracy though. <laughs> well, you can apparently. It's 120 million. All that dogs at polling booths hashtag. You know, when people bring their little pooches and you. That's well, very cute. And that's very, we shouldn't be here. That's the point. And everyone knows no, we shouldn't I, be here. I think but, YouTube will agree that we shouldn't be here as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, <laughs> Thomas. Where do you think we'll be? The. I think we we will have had probably another four Farage Brexit Party rallies. With more Anne Widdicombe giving standing ovations, good grief. And they will turn around and it is only going one way. The polls are only going one way. And I think very much we could be looking at a very smug Nigel Farage. Smugger. Super smug. Super, super smug. Absolutely. Who will just turn... he's, He's declined any debates. 
he doesn't with others. It's coronation, isn't it? Because <laughs> he, is, he is playing from the Trump rule book. Yeah. And he, yeah. Do we think he might stand in Peterborough? No, he. They have a candidate. Who is it? Peterborough a, secret millionaire, Mike he, Green. Who is yeah. Mike Green? Mike Green, best known as <laughs> the secret, secret millionaire, uh, and he's a Peterborough boy, and he is a self-made millionaire. And if you remember why the the Peterborough by-election is happening at all, and it's because the Labour Party candidate ended up in jail. Yeah. So uh, you could forgive the good people of Peterborough for thinking the self-made millionaire who used to have a paper round in Peterborough is a better option than the Labour Party. Than a crim. Or, that was the, it was a perjury, wasn't it? They went to prison for. That's a very, is she very the one who compared herself to Jesus? To, don't well, know. It, don't it know. got a little... Yeah, it got weird, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay, right. So he won't stand, but the secret millionaire Mike secret, Green, yeah. a Peterborough boy. I mean, Peterborough is uh, sort of a Labour stronghold, really. Yeah. Um, but I'd say you could be forgiven if you, you know, if the good people of Peterborough decide that the self-made millionaire um, might be the choice this time. They're Who just knows? always a better you know? option, aren't they? And likely, do you, if, if, if you had spoken to Farage a year ago about we aren't, we don't leave on the 29th of March, what would be your perfect set of circumstances to set up a new party and ride the crest of? <laughs> he he has so he will have May 23rd. He will have the vote. May 27th, we're likely to have results. Turn around and have his a Peterborough and a by-election yeah. for which he can just suddenly shoehorn yeah. a candidate. Yeah. In yeah. A millionaire, yeah. no less. Yeah. 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 And then turn around, probably with the majority of MEPs in Parliament, and say, oh, um, and I wouldn't put it past him to then be calling for a general election. Yeah. I they think have, it's Farage's world and we just, we just live in it, he, don't we? Yeah. He has analysed and he is playing... Yeah. Um, I have a final thought. At 5pm today, the voting closes in the British Podcast Awards in the mm. Listener's Choice category, of which we are we are a nominee. Right. So if you haven't already, please visit their website. Please go to vote. Please type in Brexit the Final Countdown and vote for us. You've got until 5pm. Vote early, vote often. Yeah. Yes, yeah. this is a this is a vote that we actually agree with. We definitely should we be do, there. Absolutely, this is yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. No dogs in polling booths. So, yeah, um, so please give us a vote because we do work very hard on this. You would, <laughs> you may not believe, but we do. There, there, was, there were a lot of notes on the table. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to look this shambolic. It really does. Um, I'm going to just say this. Paul told me that there aren't enough spanks in the world for me to appear on camera. Uh, so yeah, I just thought I'd put that out there. So maybe just vote for me out of pity, if nothing else. Uh, chaps, it was lovely having you in here. Always lovely, a pleasure. Lovely to be on YouTube. You. Thanks for all your hard work. Thank you for the flow chart. Thanks okay. for the jokes and thank you producer backward <laughs> until thank next you. week thank you for listening to brexit the final countdown if you like what you heard make sure you click subscribe and if you really enjoyed it you could always leave us a review